You're listening to the weekly Bible lesson from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. This is the lesson for Sunday, March 3, 2024. Subject, Christ Jesus. The golden text is from Hebrews. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The responsive reading is from John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. He that received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. I will read from the Bible, Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Luke. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her, and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also 
that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, and hurt him not. And they were all amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And he arose out of the synagogue, and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. John Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, 
whatsoever I have said unto you. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Matthew When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. John The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Luke Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, 
and ye are witnesses of these things. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. I shall now read correlative passages from the Christian Science Textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, by Mary Baker Eddy. The advent of Jesus of Nazareth marked the first century of the Christian era. But the Christ is without beginning of years or end of days. Throughout all generations, both before and after the Christian era, the Christ, as the spiritual idea, the reflection of God, has come with some measure of power and grace to all prepared to receive Christ's truth. The divine image, idea, or Christ was, is, and ever will be inseparable from the divine principle, God. Jesus referred to this unity of his spiritual identity thus, Before Abraham was, I am. I and my Father are one. My Father is greater than I. From early boyhood, he was about his father's business. His pursuits lay far apart from theirs. His master was spirit. Their master was matter. He served God. They served mammon. His affections were pure. Theirs were carnal. His senses drank in the spiritual evidence of health, holiness, and life. Their senses testified oppositely and absorbed the material evidence of sin, sickness, and death. Their imperfections and impurity felt the ever-present rebuke of his perfection and purity. Hence the world's hatred of the just and perfect Jesus, and the prophet's foresight of the reception error would give him. Despised and rejected of men was Isaiah's graphic word concerning the coming Prince of Peace. Our Master taught no mere theory doctrine, or belief. It was the divine principle of all real being which he taught and practiced. His proof of Christianity was no form or system of religion and worship, but Christian science, 
working out the harmony of life and love. As a divine student, he unfolded God to man, illustrating and demonstrating life and truth in himself and by his power over the sick and sinning. Human theories are inadequate to interpret the divine principle involved in the miracles, marvels, wrought by Jesus, and especially in his mighty, crowning, unparalleled, and triumphant exit from the flesh. Jesus' students, not sufficiently advanced fully to understand their master's triumph, did not perform many wonderful works until they saw him after his crucifixion and learned that he had not died. This convinced them of the truthfulness of all that he had taught. In the walk to Emmaus, Jesus was known to his friends by the words which made their hearts burn within them, and by the breaking of bread. The divine spirit, which identified Jesus thus centuries ago, has spoken through the inspired word, and will speak through it in every age and clime. It is revealed to the receptive heart, and is again seen casting out evil and healing the sick. The mission of Jesus confirmed prophecy and explained the so-called miracles of olden time as natural demonstrations of the divine power, demonstrations which were not understood. Jesus' works established his claim to the Messiahship. Jesus could have withdrawn himself from his enemies. He had power to lay down a human sense of life for his spiritual identity in the likeness of the divine. But he allowed men to attempt the destruction of the mortal body in order that he might furnish the proof of immortal life. Nothing could kill this life of man. Jesus could give his temporal life into his enemy's hands, but when his earth mission was accomplished, his spiritual life, indestructible and eternal, was found forever the same. He knew that matter had no life, and that real life is God. Therefore, he could no more be separated from his spiritual life than God could be extinguished. Jesus of Nazareth taught and demonstrated man's oneness with the Father, and for this we owe him endless homage. His mission was both individual and collective. He did life's work aright 
not only in justice to himself, but in mercy to mortals, to show them how to do theirs, but not to do it for them, nor to relieve them of a single responsibility. Jesus acted boldly against the accredited evidence of the senses, against pharisaical creeds and practices, and he refuted all opponents with his healing power. Man-made doctrines are waning. They have not waxed strong in times of trouble. Devoid of the Christ power, how can they illustrate the doctrines of Christ or the miracles of grace? Denial of the possibility of Christian healing robs Christianity of the very element which gave it divine force and its astonishing and unequaled success in the first century. The true Logos is demonstrably Christian science, the natural law of harmony which overcomes discord. Not because this science is supernatural or preternatural, nor because it is an infraction of divine law, but because it is the immutable law of God, good. This is the doctrine of Christian science, that divine love cannot be deprived of its manifestation or object, that joy cannot be turned into sorrow, for sorrow is not the master of joy, that good can never produce evil, that matter can never produce mind, nor life result in death. The perfect man, governed by God, his perfect principle, is sinless and eternal. Truth's immortal idea is sweeping down the centuries, gathering beneath its wings the sick and sinning. My weary hope tries to realize that happy day when man shall recognize the science of Christ and love his neighbor as himself when he shall realize God's omnipotence and the healing power of the divine love in what it has done and is doing for mankind. The promises will be fulfilled. The time for the reappearing of the divine healing is throughout all time, and whosoever layeth his earthly all on the altar of divine science drinketh of Christ's cup now, and is endued with the spirit and power of Christian healing. The impersonation of the spiritual idea had a brief history in the early life of our Master, but of his kingdom there shall be no end. For Christ, God's idea, 
will eventually rule all nations and peoples imperatively, absolutely, finally, with divine science. I will now read the three daily duties provided by Mary Baker Eddy in the Church Manual. Daily Prayer It shall be the duty of every member of this church to pray each day, Thy kingdom come. Let the reign of divine truth, life, and love be established in me and rule out of me all sin. And may thy word enrich the affections of all mankind and govern them. A Rule for Motives and Acts Neither animosity nor mere personal attachment should impel the motives or acts of the members of the Mother Church. In science, divine love alone governs man and a Christian scientist reflects the sweet amenities of love in rebuking sin, in true brotherliness, charitableness, and forgiveness. The members of this church should daily watch and pray to be delivered from all evil, from prophesying, judging, condemning, counseling, influencing or being influenced erroneously. Alertness to Duty It shall be the duty of every member of this church to defend himself daily against aggressive mental suggestion and not be made to forget nor to neglect his duty to God, to his leader, and to mankind. By his works he shall be judged and justified or condemned. And from Science and Health, Christian scientists, be a law to yourselves that mental malpractice cannot harm you either when asleep or when awake. This Bible lesson has been provided by the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. It consists of citations from the King James Bible and correlative passages from the Christian Science Textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, 1910 edition, by Mary Baker Eddy. For more information, please visit our website plainfieldcs.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.